and welcome to Associated, the podcast making venture capital more accessible. I'm Lois and tonight I'm joined by Petra. How's it going Petra? What have you been up to this week? Uh, Good. You know, I finished my quarantine this week. As some of you might know, I've been in my mandatory 14-day quarantine since I came back to Thailand. So that was exciting. That was my highlight, going outside, going to the supermarket. Yeah, that's the highlight of everyone's diner. The supermarket or a brisk walk. Yeah, exactly. And this week, um, what was also great is that I, I got to catch up with a lovely Keji, who's at Connect Ventures. And she's actually joined us today for our episode recording. Um, and we're really delighted to have her on as a guest. So hi, Keji. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I just realized I waved and yeah, you can't see me, so <laughs> that's really odd. Um, hi, yeah, I'm good. Nice to speak with you wonderful ladies. Um, well, it's great to have you and I'm glad that we can make this work. I think we're now into our fourth or fifth episode that we're recording remotely. So it's great that we can still continue going and, and highlighting people, you know, like you in, in, in the industry. Maybe for listeners who aren't aware of who you are and what fund you work for, do you want to maybe introduce yourself and also Connect Ventures? Yes. So I'm Keji. I head up network and brand at Connect. Connect is a pan-European seed stage fund. We're based in London and we invest across Europe. We've been around since 2012 and we are thesis driven. So we back purpose-led founders who are solving hard problems at scale using product to do so. And when we say that, we think we back founders who are obsessed with products and delighting their customers with the product and the experience. So very fortunate to uh, yeah, back those kind of founders. We're a lean team of eight. We have to date backed 57 portfolio companies. Um, and I joined the team at the start of 2017. Okay, awesome. So you've had a pretty um, interesting background as well. Like you've studied law and then you worked on the operations side and now you're in VC. Can you talk us through how you came about this role and elaborate a little bit about what you do? Because it's probably not a role that's very well known within the industry. No, you're quite right. Um, So just over three years ago, when I joined Connect, I literally didn't know this sort of role existed. Yeah. So in terms of what I do at Connect, I have the privilege and the awesome job of thinking about how we add value to our portfolio companies post-investment. So the thinking there is, we have this portfolio, money is a commodity. um, And in addition to the high touch, high support that the partners give is how else can we support them? after we've invested in in them. And I got into VC in a very unconventional way. So I, as you mentioned, I started life in law. I'm of African descent. And in our culture, you are either working in finance, in legal, or in medicine. There's nothing else outside of that. Um, And so my mother's a lawyer. And I thought, ah, of the three of those, I think I like the legal route. I'll go down that route. And I trained as a barrister. And I thought, okay, do I really want to be a barrister? No, I quickly realized it wasn't for me, but I've always been curious and I've always loved doing a lot of different things at at once. So I think I was having a conversation with my sister or my brother. They were like, you know, have you ever considered like an operations type of role? Like you can do whatever you want, but you, you get to do a lot of different things. And I think that'll satisfy you. And so, yeah, I kind of tried different ops roles in different industries from fashion to events to NGO. Uh, And while I was at an NGO, um, Marie Stopes, I met this incredible woman called Tanya Bola, 
And she was my mentor for a bit. And when she was leaving, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go found a company. And wherever you are, I'm going to find you and you can, you can join. Um, and she did. And that company is LV. And after she got her first grant, uh, she reached out to me and said, oh, do you want to come and join as uh, my first non-technical um, employee? And I was like, sure. She was like, yeah. So I, I joined LV and I was head of operations there for just um, under a couple of years. And that was an amazing steep learning curve, like my real first foray into high growth tech startups. Um, and I loved it. I got such a buzz from it. Um, and I realized what I really loved is that early stage when nothing exists and you can see what you're creating. You, you have this freedom and, and you have this deep learning curve. And so when I was leaving, I thought, actually, what I'll do next is I'll consult with early stage startups um, and share the learnings I've uh, had in that time. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I saw the Connect job spec, which literally fell into my inbox from AngelList. Um, and I remember seeing it thinking, this job literally speaks to my soul. And the best part was it was quite a vague job spec, which is funny that it spoke to my soul. Um, but the fast fun fact about that is a wonderful lady called Abby Pugh, who used to work at Multiple, who's now head of people at Lab Genius. She wrote the job spec. And the funniest thing is I had gone to prep school with Abby when I was like eight years old um, and I haven't seen her in like two and a half decades. So when I joined and, and uh, I, I was somehow talking to Sitar about the job spec, she was like, oh, Abby wrote it. And then anyway, long story short, it turns out that like she wrote this job spec without knowing it was for me, but she wrote it and it completely spoke to the very core of my being. So, yeah. Wow, that's very serendipitous and, and almost like shows you that you're on like the right path that you, you know, had all the, this like connectivity from your past as well. Um, and, and Sitar is one of the partners at Connect, is that correct? Yes, Sitar is one of the partners. We have three partners um, and yeah, Connect is partner led. So we only have partners and then we have support team, which is finance and network. And I think like probably fair to say that for the last few years at least, kind of value add to portfolio has been like widely regarded as maybe like the differentiating factor between VCs, which means that like in a sense, you've got the most important job at Connect. And I was just wondering in your role, what are some of the key principles that you then adhere to? So um, before then, I'll just say that, yeah, it's funny at Connect, like actually I think we all play a role in supporting the portfolio companies the partners obviously play the most important roles because they pick the companies and they're very much collaborators with them we invest early we lead rounds so the relationship they build is really unique especially as the company grows and, and other investors come on board that relationship with the partner is almost the most important one because it's completely different to when later stage investors come on board and then we also have our finance team who basically keep the lights on and make sure that we run the fund in the proper way and, and mark heads all of that up and he's an absolute genius um, in what he does there and then our team, the network team, basically think about how do we draw out best practices across the portfolio? How do we connect the community together? And all of this is to make sure that we're helping the founders accelerate their learning um, so they can make better decisions and so they can build strong, meaningful relationships with their founder peers within the community. And so the principles there is really to think about when we're building anything or when we're offering anything do those activities actually speak to that mission? Do they actually do the things that we say they're going to do, which is help them accelerate their learning and help them build meaningful relationships? Um, 
and generally help them just connect the dots to knowledge across the ecosystem. And yeah, that's the general starting point for anything we do. And then we have pillars and we have themes and then we have ingredients that, that play into all of that. But really, that's the starting point, the mission and the vision of the network. Okay, awesome. I mean, you, you spoke about, you know, the job spec really speaking to you, but can you identify values or, 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 or different reasons why you chose Connect, perhaps over potentially another VC or another opportunity at, at the time? Uh, yes. So I loved Connect. When I was researching them, I realized, oh my God, Connect's back like some of the companies that I love and I've used. So like obviously CityMapper, um, that is probably my most used app bar WhatsApp. So that was really cool. Um, I, I also was a huge fan of packed coffee. I'd used secret sales when that was still around. So it was kind of cool when I was looking into them. I was thinking, oh God, this fund actually already is back. Some of the companies that have definitely made my life more fun. But then when I met the team, I really loved the ethos. I, I loved the way they thought. I loved the fact that their values are really aligned with mine. So it's like, you know, tough love. They hold strong opinions lightly. Um, you know, it's a total no bullshit approach, which is amazing because in every other company I've ever worked for, it's, you're never quite sure if people mean what they say. You have to read between the lines, like all, all these things that just for straight talking people, you just want to get to the point. It's kind of like, oh my God, why are we doing this? Whereas Connect is very much like they say what they mean, they mean what they say. The, you never have to interpret anything. So that I really liked. And that came across very early from the conversations with them. In fact, the first conversation I had with Guitar, she, she made a statement. And I remember thinking, wow, she's punchy. Like, I like this, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So yeah, I think those are the key things. I, I loved their values. I loved the ethos. And um, I loved the portfolio. And yeah, I loved the team. I loved their background and what they stood for. I think you've told me this like anecdotally before of how you start having studied law and having that background, even though it's not something you ended up, you know, wanting to pursue that that thinking process has that helped kind of organize your thoughts or work stream in the job that you do now? Has that had an effect or an influence? I would say it has. Yes, because I think the, the key thing I took from my legal training is very methodical. I like to think through the different permutations of anything. So I guess in law, you, especially if you think about you want to be a barrister, like when you're putting your arguments together, you have to think for both sides, right? Like you don't just think of the side you're, whether you're defending or prosecuting, you then have to come up with the arguments you think your opponent's going to come up for as well. So you're always having to think things through and really like balance things. And that is something I definitely use every day. So if we want to do something, you know, I'll spend a, a lot of time thinking about like, okay, well, what do, what's the drawbacks? Like, what what's the pros, what's the cons? And really weighing that up so that we're making the best decisions possible in the, in the fastest way, obviously, yeah. So I think that's the thing, just like the methodical, logical thinking I, I've kept with me. And in terms of, I guess, your, your relationship with the partners, because this role is unique and, and maybe not something that all of, you know, our listeners have come across before what's the relationship like or what's the dynamic like do you work in tandem with the partnership or is it is it reactive is it is it proactive from your side what's that dynamic like um it's actually really collaborative I'm very lucky I think I I might have mentioned to you when we first met that one thing I learned early on in my first conversation with Kim Pham uh, when I joined Connect, she said, you know, the challenge you'll have is you'll, you'll know very quickly if your partners respect what you do by the amount of mind share they give you. 
and I didn't really get it at the time, but actually over the years, it's, it's very clear that the partners really recognize the importance of value add. And it's something they wanted right from the outset, but it didn't make sense to bring the role on board until the portfolio was a, a specific size and you had that critical mass. So then when they brought me on board, it was very clear. They were like, listen, we totally believe in this. We totally value it. You have our mind share. You have all the support you need from us, but we're also going to give you a blank canvas to just run. And you're the expert of the network and um, you're CEO of the network. And so we defer to you in that sense. So it is really great because I've been given a lot of free reign over the years, but I also have access to them and, and it is very collaborative. And, you know, like everyone comes up with ideas like, oh, maybe we should do this. But then we go back to the mission of the network. Oh, does it actually help accelerate their learning curve? And B, does it help them build a meaningful relationships? If not, okay, maybe we, we kill that. And, and that's kind of how we like triage things. Um, but it is a mixture of proactive and reactive. So if we do our job right, then the founders and their teams reach out to us if they know there's something we can help them with, whether that's like templates or connecting them to a specific person or connecting them to another founder or another company in the portfolio. And that's on the reactive side. But then on the proactive side, having seen... A number of seed stage companies over the years, we can also think like, okay, what is it we know that every seed stage company needs to have or have access to if they're going to go from minimum viable product to product market, which is really what we're trying to do, right? Like as a seed stage fund, that for us is a, a key metric of success. How many of our portfolio companies graduate and do these up rounds and, and move from that MVP to, to product market fit. Um, and so, yeah, it's great to think about how do we structure the network in such a way that we help them on that journey and we actually help them move along that journey. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of collaboration between the, like you said, that kind of partnership angle where they're co-collaborators and then the autonomy that you have over the network. Um, I wondered what are some of the highlights over the past two years or maybe something that you're particularly proud of enacting for the portfolio? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing I'm most proud of that we've done really well is I think we were very much at the forefront of thinking about, you know, founder well-being and founder and leadership development. And I know that we we were one of the, the first funds to really like champion and show our portfolio that we really do believe in them working with coaches and them improving and developing themselves, right? If you think of, the, for us, the vision of the network is to help our founders transition from great founders to great leaders. And so, yeah, really championing that development piece and really championing the founder well-being. And I think launching our founders retreat, which is something that gets such high engagement and the founders love. And it, it, it just every year I'm just so surprised and also like completely bowled over by the fact they love it so much. And that's a three day offsite in Europe and all the topics, the leadership development and well-being. And yeah, it's like it's just it's the highlight of our event calendar in the year. And secondly, it's creating this space where our founders really believe that we genuinely champion transparency and vulnerability so they know that they can they can tell us things they don't have to worry they don't hide things and that's reflected in 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 all the things that we do so it's reflected in how we design the events we keep them really small um so that they can be open they can be interactive they can be honest and and have conversations with uh, peers on in the workshops um our founder summit there we're really trying to get the founders to just share what are things that have gone wrong in the last year and what have you learned from it? Because if you're not failing, you're not learning. So 
it's really helping them realize that we're, we're not just saying, oh, we want you to be open and we want you to be vulnerable, but really demonstrating that through every touch point they have with the network. And, and those are things I'm really proud of because I think the founders really do believe that we're genuine in, in that and we're not just, um, you know, it's not puffery. Yeah. Um, and, and so you mentioned j- just now, you know, something around being out founders, obviously, as much as you can. How have you been dealing with what's going on in the world right now? Has there been a, I guess, a, a center of gravity around which like the help is concentrated at this very moment in time and, and helping founders through this crisis? Yes, but I think most of the help has been coming from the partners, because ultimately, most of the founders have if any of them have have never weathered anything like this before, right? Like, you know, when the last downturn happened, these companies didn't exist. Connect didn't even exist in 2008, 2009. So for them, it's having access to the partners. The partners were really great, you know, high touch, really supporting them through that. And the main focus is really like, yeah, cash is king, right? So the network hasn't been a key thing that they're trying to get support from. But what we have done is we've consolidated all the learnings that we can find on, you know, the, the government aids, the grants available in one place. We use Notion, shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, we've, we've really doubled down on the well-being side of things. You know, we've offered uh, discounts and free sessions on the therapy side of things, one-to-one, just so that they have other outlets they can speak with. We now run our founder Fika, um, which is taking inspiration from the Swedish concept of just having this space where you can just chat openly uh, in a vulnerable way with with your peers. We're not on that. It's founder-led and facilitated by them. And yeah, like we're, we're running workshops on things that we know they're going to be going through right now. So like how to go through a restructure process, things that they, they're going through, but they've never experienced before. So we're trying to be as proactive as possible, but we're also understanding that the main focus for them right now is how do they preserve their cash and how do they make sure they're still alive um, and their companies are still running after this crisis. And I mean, like, the reality is that some of their product propositions are, are less relevant now. So are they still going to be alive when we when we come out of this? I don't know. But yeah, we're trying to be additive, not detractive. So we're, we're not trying to add noise to it. We're just trying to make sure we're supporting them. And they know that we're there. Mm, yeah. That's really good. What I really like, and actually I didn't know um, this about Connect, is that you're very strong on well-being and mental health and taking that into consideration. I think that's so important because I think a big part of this industry is a lot about just pushing yourself and grinding and like really hustling to like you can't hustle anymore (laughs) and you just need to log on to Twitter and it's evidence there that there's almost like a sense of pride around pushing yourself and your team to extremes. And, and I think it's great that that's really taken into consideration. We did this Christmas recording about books that have inspired us um, last year. And one of the books was The Happiness Advantage. And it yeah. was, uh, do you know that? It's such a good book. It's a great book. It's actually one of the books we give our founders as part of onboarding. I mentioned that the four pillars to the network and the first pillar is onboarding. Um, and so we really set the scene from there of like the fact that we do really believe in, in well-being and, and we really champion it. And that's one of the books we give away. And it's always funny because the founders are like, why do you give me this? And then I've had a message a couple of times uh, a few months after we sent, sent it over and they're like, I love the book. I get it now. It's like, oh yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. great. I'm, I'm so glad because that was our mandatory reading at Mantra that we had to read this as a team. Yeah. But it's such an important book. It really is. And to that point, I just add that um, 
obviously we love our founders as people. Like I said, we're, we're, we're low volume, high conviction. So we only do a few deals a year, which means we can build really strong relationships with the founders. But from a commercial standpoint as well is that we recognize that at early stage, the founder is the most valuable asset in the company, right? It's their vision that gets the first employees on board. It's, you know, the vision that goes out fundraising, the vision that's selling it to customers, your first early adopters. So if they're not feeling good and if they're not doing well, then the likelihood of success of the company going through the stages and, and you know, moving to, um, to Series A is much less. So really, we owe it to ourselves to also make sure that we're, we're getting them to understand that, like, we're in this for the long haul. This is a long-term relationship. And it really is a marathon, not a sprint. There are going to be moments when you're sprinting. It's, it's a play on both. But if you're just, like, pushing yourself and grinding yourself and, you know, like, hustle-pawning yourself to the point of no return super early on then chances are you're not going to be building a, a venture scale business. And that does not make sense to us. Obviously, we're venture capitalists, right? Like We want you to be building these businesses for the long term. So yeah. Should we talk about your portfolio, founder profile, like something that you look for in founders when you want to invest? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can talk a little bit about what the partners look for in terms of the sort of founders feedback. Um, so I guess... First thing is that like we obviously look for founders who are purpose-led. When we think about purpose-led, we think about the founders who are obsessively driven to solve a problem. Um, They're always looking for like, how can it be better? How can it solve a problem in a more delightful, elegant way? They're not primarily driven by the monetary success of, of what this company can do. Obviously, like if they're going for venture money, they understand that it does have the possibility of being really successful um, financially, but that's not what motivates them. It's really, they're motivated by solving this problem um, in a way that has their users loving the company and loving the product. So the, the, the tagline we use is, where product founders fit, but it's really like making products that are loved by many um, and that are made with love. Um, so that's the first part. And then the second part is we back product-led founders and this is very much linked to the, the love by many made with love. They are founders who are putting the product and the user experience at the, the heart and the core of the company. And they basically want to solve this problem in a unique way. And they want to design a, a purposeful product to solve it. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, Lois, do we have a, a listener question today? And then I think afterwards i believe keji actually has a question so <laughs> two questions today. <laughs> okay we're gonna do double question time then <laughs> uh yeah we do so we have a question from one of our listeners dan and thank you for your question and dan's got a simple question he wants to know if you have missed anything big while you've been at connect ventures i, I think you must mean companies that you passed on or that the, the partners passed on of course. I mean, like any fund that tells you that they, they haven't is probably maybe misrepresenting slightly. We call it our anti-portfolio. And yeah, they're companies that we saw and we missed. I think one, like an obvious one is probably Deliveroo. Uh, I know that the, the guys saw that. That was before my time, but I know the guys saw it. But it was like within thesis. But I think if I'm not mistaken, 
it's a very uh, capital intensive business. And so I think that was the thinking there. It's like, actually, can we back this company with the money that we're going to put in? Is it going to be enough for, for what they wanted to achieve? Um, but yeah, that's, that's one that springs to the top of mind, the, the anti-portfolio delivery. Cool. Keju, what was your question for us or that you wanted to? Yeah, write? I was curious. I, I wanted to ask you guys, because I know that you, you hold different roles. So Lois, I know you're on the investment side. Petra, I know you kind of straddle both, um, which was just like, what's one thing you wish you knew uh, when you started in your role or before you started in your role? So it's probably not really my style to wish I knew something because um, I like, I really like ambiguity in roles especially. So going into VC blissfully ignorant was kind of perfect for me. But something that I was pleasantly surprised by and I I don't know if it's widely known outside of the industry is how much of a sense of community there is um I can't speak to kind of anywhere else but especially in London I think the VC community and particularly amongst kind of newer members of that is really tight-knit and strong and it's something you can really take advantage of in terms of whether it's like broadening your own horizons in terms of your thought process and the kind of things that you find interesting and look for and assess companies by. Uh, and then there's obviously the, the maybe more obvious stuff around pipeline and sharing deal flow and co-investing and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that's probably the thing that stands out to me that I didn't know so much before I, before I jumped in myself. That's a good one. Yeah. I like the ambiguity because I think the openness to ambiguity is such an important factor in, in this job that a lot of your journeys or discoveries a lot of time don't amount to something tangible and just like being okay that that abstractness is there um, is, is important. I think for me it was you don't have to know everything. I think when I first started out when I was at Index, I felt so much pressure needing to know everything about everything, every company, every strategy, whether it was building out your sales ops or how to best structure your your option pool. I I felt so much pressure to have to have an answer for everything. And and no one does. I think even if you're in the industry for 30, 40 years and you've seen a lot, I don't think that it's possible to know everything. And I think I wished I was more okay with that, that not everyone knows everything. Everyone's still figuring it out. Part of this whole journey is to learn and discover. So yeah, I wish I'd given myself less of like a hard time about that, about not knowing stuff. I love that. I love both these answers. I think they're spot on. Um, yeah, I, I share those sentiments entirely. Awesome. So, Katie, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's been a bit of light relief in a day of back-to-back <laughs> Zoom calls. Is there anything else that you would like to plug while we've got you? Yes. Uh, firstly, thank you guys for having me. I've loved chatting with you both. Um, it's been super fun. The thing I would love to plug is... Shout out to the European VC platform community, which was founded by Kim Pham, uh, who's now the founder of Oxtail, based in New York. Um, and it's just been the greatest source of inspiration, support, camaraderie, community in the, in the very sense of the word. That's how I met Petra. I'm fortunate to chair it now. I took the reins from Kim. But even before that, I've just, I've loved everyone I've met there. They've been so helpful. No question is stupid. And yeah, if you're in a a fund, in a platform role, and you're not a member already, I highly recommend you join because you will not regret it. So yeah. 
Fantastic. Where can people find more info on that or where can they get in touch with you? You can just go to euvcplatform.com. That's the website. And also I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, want to know more about it, you can either just yeah drop me a line on Twitter or drop me a LinkedIn or yeah, we can go from there. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening to Associated. You can get updates on our latest guest episodes on Twitter. We're at associated underscore pod. And you can email us as well. We're on associatedpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or just want to shout us out. Awesome. Thanks, Reggie. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much.